Hello and welcome to Yours Mentally, a podcast that discusses issues that we all have on our mind but are too afraid to speak on. Our podcast is a safe space for anyone who wants to discover more about and improve their mental well-being. Priyanka Srikanth is a counseling psychologist and co-founder at Gulmohar Counseling and Experiential Learning Services. She practices from a humanistic existential orientation and is passionate about her work. Priyanka is also a proud dog parent and loves being around nature. She has a deep love of learning and greatly enjoys music, art and literature. So, uh, what kind of incidents and at what age constitute childhood trauma and what is the difference between an upsetting experience and a traumatic experience? Okay, so when I use the term childhood trauma, I am referring to children between the ages of 0 and 18. who experience an event as emotionally very painful threatening or severely stressful in such a way that it often leads to lasting psychological and physical consequences so a uh, childhood trauma can occur when a child either witnesses or experiences first hand an event or situation that is overwhelmingly negative yeah so uh this can happen in relationships where there is uh, any form of neglect or bullying or abuse or violence it can include uh things like accidents and uh natural disasters even some medical procedures like a surgery or the loss of an important person or even pet in the child's life so so while distinguishing between an upsetting experience and a traumatic experience the important thing to remember here is that it's it's not about the objective circumstances of a situation that actually determine whether or not an event is traumatic rather it it depends on the individual to whom the event happened to and how that person emotionally experiences that event say for for instance you know the more scared or helpless a child feels in a particular situation the more likely they are to experience it as trauma whereas another person could have the same event happen to them and respond differently without experiencing it as trauma or or being traumatized by it so i hope that answers your question yeah so uh, my question is in what ways uh does childhood abuse manifest in adulthood and how does this vary among di- vary amongst different kinds of abuse like emotional sexual physical etc okay uh that's a good question so so childhood abuse and childhood trauma can really just chip away at a child's sense of safety stability and it can really even undermine their self worth and this is something which can stay with them into adulthood you know often children blame themselves when such events happen because they don't know better they don't have any other point of reference or any idea as to why such things occur in the first place so they often blame themselves and as a result they can experience feelings of shame and guilt and and these are things which they can carry into adulthood also so some of the other ways in which childhood trauma can manifest is by feeling disconnected 
struggling to relate to others or, or even build sustainable relationships they can have a lot of trouble regulating their emotions and experience anxiety depression anger all in adulthood as well so for the next part of your question as to like how these effects vary uh there is no simple or easy straightforward way to answer that especially since there are too many factors to consider here the effects of abuse and trauma vary not just based on the type of abuse but also on the length of abuse how often it happens how severe it is the circumstances surrounding it as well as on the person who was abused you know whether they had any prior history of trauma and and the other family and community factors like how much support the child has and the list can go on this way because all these factors influence how trauma is experienced by the child and how it will be processed so i i hope that answers this to some extent sure i just had a follow up regarding verbal abuse because that's one type of abuse that's often undermined can that have a significant impact as well of course of course it can have a significant impact on the child it depends on how the child experiences this kind of abuse as well and what lessons they kind of learn from it right the thing is that we all react to trauma in different ways and we can experience a wide range of emotional psychological physical reactions right so there isn't exactly a fixed standard set of ways in which the effects of trauma can manifest it, it's really difficult to predict how it will impact the child but it can definitely have a significant impact okay so we just spoke about the effects of trauma and post traumatic stress disorder is a common effect that many experience so do yeah. they experience post traumatic stress disorder right after the incident or can it affect them even several years after the incident okay well uh, it's important to note that not every child or teen who who goes through a traumatic experience gets diagnosed with or, or experiences post traumatic stress disorder right so post traumatic stress disorder is diagnosed only if symptoms keep happening for more than a month and are just really negatively affecting that child's life and how they function so for those who do develop ptsd the symptoms can um, most often start within 3 months after the traumatic event within that time but yeah they can also start months or years after the incident as well and could you elaborate on some of the possible long term and short term effects uh the short term and long term effects of trauma that's what you're asking yes yes Okay so i think this is going to be a long answer because there are just so many of these so uh, usually after a traumatic experience right there is uh, some kind of change in behavior that that you can notice children can really experience this whole range of emotions like anger irritation sadness fear and they can have outbursts to express these 
they may develop new fears, new anxieties, face trouble sleeping. They may lose interest in the activities that they otherwise typically really enjoy. And you may find that they become uh, pretty vigilant, like always being on the lookout for any danger or threat. And, and their bodies can also hold a lot of traumatic stress. So all these symptoms also affect how a child interacts with other people. You know, they may find it difficult to form any meaningful relationships and they may struggle with authority figures. So, so long term, this could translate into uh, more impulsive and high risk behavior, such as getting involved with alcohol and drugs. Right. So if, if children don't have that opportunity to, to talk, process and, and heal from their trauma, then it becomes very difficult for them to uh, lay that groundwork towards becoming a well-adjusted adult. Okay, you can hear me, right? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you well. Often people have difficulty opening up about their trauma to even people who are closest to them. So is there a specific reason for this? And is it indicative of issues with trust? Okay, so my take on this is, well, I think as I mentioned before, after a traumatic experience, some children might blame themselves for what happened or carry this intensive shame, a shame which only grows in silence and secrecy. So, so they may really just feel that it is not safe to share their story with others, to share their tra trauma with others. Rather, they may actually perceive it as dangerous in some way to share and have a lot of difficulty trusting others, especially if their trust has been shattered and they feel they have to be on guard to, to protect themselves from others, to protect themselves from hurt. So, so when I say that, they may perceive it as dangerous or risky to open up about their trauma, about their story. This might have to do with the fear of how others might respond, how others might judge them or perceive them differently. Fear that they might not be accepted or treated the same way. Fear of putting themselves in such a vulnerable position, you know, where they can be hurt, where it's not safe. And they might just not be ready to take that risk yet. And uh, how do the how does this affect their ability to form and maintain relationships? And are these effects permanent, or is it possible to recover from them? Okay, so when we go through something traumatic, right? Such an experience can really influence and shape the beliefs that we carry about ourselves, about the world, about other people. And this is something which can really impact the way that we form attachments later in life. So as part of our response to a traumatic situation, we may develop certain ways of uh, being, certain ways of relating to other people and interacting with them that impacts our ability to form and maintain relationships. So, so I'll use an example for this to just illustrate it. Say, uh, for, for instance, if a child is abused emotionally or physically, say by someone close to them, like, like a caregiver, they may start to see other caretaker figures through a different lens, like seeing them as 
untrustworthy and they might no longer trust people to keep them safe and protect them or even really care about them so then it would be natural for this child to want to push people away and and avoid close relationships where they might be hurt again so they are really just doing what they think they need to do to protect themselves here and of course children might respond differently but once a child's sense of safety is shattered it can take years of work to rebuild those broken pieces and and have them take that risk to start trusting again hence they may avoid intimacy and and struggle in forming uh, relationships with others so although these effects can definitely be long lasting right they don't have to be permanent this is where the agency of the individual comes in as well so i won't say that these effects are set to be permanent because that implies that these effects are set in stone and they are unchangeable which i don't believe i i really do believe that with the right help and support and this often includes working with trained mental health professionals that people can work through some of the ill effects of having undergone trauma they can heal from it and they can grow into change you know in fact there is a term in psychology called post traumatic growth which is used to refer to how uh, how you know there is growth and change that is seen in people who have worked through psychological distress and suffering that follow adversity and trauma so in a nutshell no these effects don't have to be permanent and there is always scope for healing and growth so as you mentioned the scope for healing does that take yeah. place when these issues are left unaddressed by people in the surrounding environment uh so i think it's really important that a child kind of receives the help and support that they need after they go through a trauma if they are left unattended to if they are not given the right attention then i think it can certainly become a little more difficult for the child to heal but it's not impossible okay so as you just said a uh, healing and amendment after trauma is possible so what are some ways in which we can help ourselves and get help from others after some trauma okay so again i'll say this that the sooner the trauma and the effects of trauma are addressed the better chance a child has or a person has of recovering successfully and and fully right because uh, if they do receive that attention and that help and that support right this could make such a drastic like such a drastic difference in their healing and how their experience unfold so if if you are experiencing trauma know that it isn't a life sentence that dictates that you are always going to be struggling with this there are really many ways in which you could help yourself even for one thing uh, exercise and movement can really help your body just release some of the energy and stress that it may be carrying on account of having been through something so traumatic and and after such an experience you may want to also isolate yourself from others 
which is a natural urge. But connecting with others can really help you heal and also provide you with the support you need. So, so do make an effort to maintain your relationships, to seek out support and avoid spending too much time alone. Another thing you can do is to take care of your physical health, which means make sure you're eating balanced meals and getting lots of sleep because a healthy body will help you cope better. And also at times when you're feeling overwhelmed or just very anxious or, or out of control even, remember that it is possible to change your level of arousal and calm yourself. For example, one way to do this is just by practicing some mindful breathing exercises where you focus your attention on your breaths as you breathe in and you breathe out. And this can just be a very quick way to ground yourself. And lastly, in my opinion, one of the most important things you can do is just be compassionate towards yourself. Acknowledge your feelings about the trauma as and when they arise. Try to accept them without judging them and treat yourself with just gentleness and understanding and be kind to yourself as you are going through this. Because I think that makes a lot of difference in how uh, your experience uh, unfolds. So you mentioned some ways in which uh, we can help ourselves, but could you specify yeah. some coping mechanisms that children who've experienced trauma resort to and do they remain the same when they grow up? In the sense, are they beneficial when that child grows up or are they harmful? Hmm. Okay, this is an interesting question. Uh, so I believe that children can be very creative in how they cope, how they cope with trauma or any difficult situation or environment they are in. So the way children cope, of course, that varies across situations. And that depends on the trauma, the nature of abuse and, and the child themselves. So let, let me use another example here, actually. Say, for instance, imagine a child lives in a home that is very chaotic, where there's lots of fighting and displays of anger, then at this point, the child would become accustomed, just used to their family members lashing out and may learn to cope with this by becoming very sensitive to each interaction and the moods of others. They may learn to survive in that situation, cope in that situation by learning to walk on eggshells around other people because they're afraid that any wrong move might trigger them, might upset them and bring about another angry outburst. So here surviving might mean catering to the moods of others, being sensitive to their needs, their emotions, walking around eggshells around them, right? The child might learn to adapt by withholding their own emotions and keeping to themselves just to avoid any potential conflict that could occur if they were to express themselves. So while this is an example, these coping mechanisms are definitely quite nuanced and subjective and depends on the situation as well. And yes, they, they can be something that we carry into adulthood for sure. But in such cases, we might find that although these coping mechanisms served some purpose in the past, 
by helping us survive in that situation and helping us cope and function day to day back then, they might not be very helpful anymore. And it might actually become counterproductive in the sense that uh, they might make it more difficult for us to meet some of the other needs that we might have as adults. You know, does that, does that make sense? Say, say the same child has grown up and now is an adult and now has a need for some closeness, some intimate relationships in their life, right? But that might be hard for them to build because they are so used to holding back on expressing themselves, which is, again, why healing work is so important here. And given that, as you mentioned, in some cases, even the coping mechanisms may not be effective in future life, is there any um, positive outcome, so to speak, in terms of increased resilience for children who've experienced trauma? Well, of course, uh, I think earlier on in this conversation, I, I mentioned something like post-traumatic growth, right? So that basically means that uh, you know, people who have experienced trauma, who have faced a lot of suffering and discomfort can actually work through that experience, learn from that experience, heal from that experience and, and reach a place where this kind of translates into positive change and positive growth and resilience can definitely be one of those things. Okay. So as you mentioned earlier, people who, children who've been through trauma, they tend to isolate themselves. So if I know someone who's gone through a traumatic incident, how can I help them even if they seem to be pushing me away all the time? Okay, so the first thing you can do here is just acknowledge and recognize that they have been through something so extremely stressful and painful and that they may need time and space to deal with it and you as their friend if you know someone may need to let them take that time and give them that space the best thing you can do sometimes is just to ask that person who has been affected you know what what you can do to support them how how they would like you to be right and and if they don't want to talk about it you can still show your support in other ways by spending time with them, talk about other things and doing practical things to help, like helping them with their chores or schoolwork and let them be alone for a while if that's what they want. But I think also encourage them from time to time to have company and just make it clear that you are available to them how and when they might need you. And what is more, is that you could also do your own research about trauma just to understand more about what they might be going through and how you can best help and support them. And don't worry about having to say the right thing or feel that you have to make that distress go away. Because remember that while you may be in a position to help them cope, you are also not here to save them or rescue them. You know, you are not completely responsible for their healing. So remember that everyone heals at their own pace and may need different things from the people around them. So let's uh, respect that as well. <laughs>
So in a case where, for example, you believe it's best for the person to share or to talk, would it be advisable to try to convince them to open up or is it best to leave it to them to decide? Um, well, I wouldn't say uh, convince them. What you can do is express your concern to them, right? Saying something like, hi, I... I'm just, I'm really concerned about you. And uh, I think it could help if you talk about it, you talk to someone. But I understand if you're not in a place to do that right now. You know, I, I wouldn't recommend pushing them or forcing them to do anything because they just might not be ready yet. Right? But just making it clear that, you know, you are concerned about them. You are available for them. And you would be even willing to help if they would want to seek help, say from someone else, like a, like a mental health professional there in that case. But definitely, I do not treasure them if they're not ready. Recognize that people do heal at their own pace and then they take time and they may need different things. So ask them what they need right now. Okay, but do you think it's advisable to inform, like, suppose a trusted adult against their wishes? Mm. Uh, I think if it is a case where you perceive that, okay, this person is uh, a risk, a risk to themselves or a risk to other people, I think definitely in that case, then yes, it, it would be best to inform a trusted adult in that situation, right? So make a judgment call at that time. Right. Okay. So um, if you all have listened till now, thank you so much for listening and see you all in the next episode.